0: You're listening to Liturgies of Life, the fifth season of Enacting the Kingdom. Here you'll be joining me and Father Jeffrey as we consider the wider implications of our everyday rituals. From shopping, to social media, to sports, and to the so-called work-life balance, let's explore how the mundane aspects of our daily existence truly become Liturgies of Life. The Orthodox liturgy is full of theatricality. Uh, Father Jeffrey. It's full of people singing. Uh, it's full of people proclaiming things. You might even have a really good speaker in, you know, the priest who's giving a sermon who knows how to communicate and how to draw out emotion and, and to uh, encourage good thinking in the people that are listening. Uh, you know, there's movement. We move around the space. Sometimes people in there, if they're in pews or, or not in pews, they might follow not only with their eyes, their whole body When the deacon or the the presbyter senses around the church, there's a lot of theatricality that exists in the Orthodox liturgy, including call and response, right? Um, Or sometimes in scripture readings, you know, one person reads one thing, one person reads the other, depending on which scripture reading you're doing or... Um, You know, we think of the Paschal procession, we go around the church, we knock on the door, we open it up, we sing Christ is risen, we read the gospel, we walk in. There's a lot of theatricality. But I've also been taught that you shouldn't, quote unquote, perform liturgy, right? You shouldn't be performing liturgy, but at the same time, you have to perform liturgy. (laughs) And what I mean by that is you shouldn't perform it like you're an actor on stage, but at the same time, you're supposed to use some of those skills that an actor would use on stage in doing liturgy. So this is all a big preamble to our topic today, which is theater and film and liturgy. And where are they the same and where are they different? Because what, the way we've been talking, Father Jeffrey, and we've been using that word story a lot, right? Getting to know the story. What's the deeper story? And theater and film, whether we're watching a movie or watching a TV show or going to see a play, whether it's a musical or, or a stage play. We are experiencing a story, but the same thing happens, doesn't it? When we come to church, to the liturgy, we are experiencing a story there as well, aren't we? Yep. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, where to start with all of this, right? Right, right, right. I I mean, let me just point something out, which is that... You know, we could, on the one hand, you know, kind of go backwards and forwards and say, okay, we've got this happening in enacted dramas like films and and theater productions, etc. And then we've got liturgy. And what are the, as you say, what are the areas that they have in common? How would we distinguish between them? But I want to kind of start a step back from that somehow and Mm -hmm, say mm -hmm. all of that is actually connected to something else, which is the performance of life. Right, because mm. what they all kind of share in common is what we have to do on a daily basis. I mean, we all enact the story of our own life. We perform that, right? We're all involved in the social drama that is our own existence, because we are not beings as such. We're becomings, right? There's there's an there's a a kind of um, working out of reality on an ongoing basis. We have to we have scripts, we have we have rituals, we have movement, we have interaction, we have the staging, you know, and and all the other aspects of narrative are there in terms of characters and plot and, and crises and obstacles and 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 overcoming all of that. And that is what life is like. And so of course when you go to kind of tell a story visually through the 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 media of film or television or as I say stage production or we go to kind of concentrate and rehearse the kind of highest form of living in liturgy, I mean, they're all going to be interconnected somehow, right? So I I just want to set that out (laughs) as the the kind of stage for all of our conversation today, because it's not that we have... You know, all of life. And then there's these weird things that happen in the corner over here where we're, we're, we're kind of performing, acting, you know, uh, behaving in, in this special way. In fact, they're all interconnected, right? These are just kind of stylized and focused experiences of the same thing that we do throughout every moment of our lives as we perform our existence we bring our own being into existence and, and perform that in history in space and time with our, our whole life is a kind of uh acting out of you know those kind of values and the the kind of fundamental reality from which we come, which is in, in Christian terms, you know, the, the basis of being the foundation that we have being created in the image and likeness of God and then our purpose in life. We have to move from one to the other. And that movement is a performance, right? It, it's hopefully a, an increasingly Better and uh, you know more directed and focused and organized and and ordered performance, but it's a performance nonetheless, right? And all of life is a kind of social drama that way. So they're all interconnected, and then we can talk about you know how they fit into all of that. Right, but right. but but to just set them up as separate things somehow from the rest of life, I think would be to miss the point.
0: Yeah. Well, that's a very important distinction. Like, so if I were to say it back to you and correct me where I'm wrong here, you know, it's, it's not that it's theater and film kind of versus liturgy. It's, it's that there's actually a deeper thing from which both of those arise. And that deeper thing is just literally our everyday life. Like how we yeah. live our life, how we speak with our roommates or our spouse or our coworkers, um, how we you know if we're orthodox, how we fast, how we do deeds of mercy to to our families and to the community around us, these acts of love, how we pray, how we um, how the words that we use um, uh, our daily habits, do we go for a walk, do we exercise like all of these all of those things i, I it what you're saying is that those are performances, right? We are enacting um, activities, right? We are mm-hmm. performing in that kind, in that sense. And then what what Orthodox liturgy is, and what theater, and what film, and this human expression of of um, scripting stories. What both of those are is a kind of a concentrated, maybe putting that reality. Uh, kind of under a microscope, right? Um, And really accentuating parts of those things so that it can help us reflect on what we're already doing in our life and maybe having to change things or add things. Is, Is that, I
1: think I'm on the right track there. Absolutely. In fact, you know, what? that last part where you're talking about, you know, what makes these different is that putting them under a microscope. I mean, it's where we pay attention, Right. But there are other kinds of things we do the same thing with. Right. So it might be um, and of course, they all share, you know, kind of common features and everything. But you might be having, you know, special guests over to dinner and you go into a whole performance of, you know, preparing for that, getting the, the stage set and and putting out all the props and. And, you know, preparing even possible activities or subjects of conversation and certainly the meal, you know, and so forth. And we do that, you know, at times of feasts or celebration and so forth. But, you know, even outside of... on the one hand the kind of entertainment media like the the film and television and, and and stage plays and musicals or on the other hand you know liturgies we also organize things like I don't know graduations and and social you know uh, civic events and that sort of thing which all take this form of something more focused and noticed right where, where more attention goes into it but the reality is that every moment of our lives has the same quality of social drama but we just don't necessarily put it under that microscope or focus on it or pay attention to it in quite the same way. Although as we've been exploring in this series, I mean, so many of those unconscious liturgies and social dramas are the you know the most formative because we're just not noticing how they're they're affecting our, our lives, our bodies, our our you know, our ultimate values and and whether we're turning towards virtue, towards the end of the, of the story that we want, or towards vice, towards something that moves, you know, away from that. So those were things like, you know, the social dramas or liturgies of shopping or of you know, professional sports and things like that that, that we've taken up, you know, in this series. But but yeah, they're all ultimately, you know, the same thing. But what's gonna make you know the the difference between on the one hand things like film and television and and stage plays or, or liturgy is the amount of attention that we give, you know, to them and how the preparation that goes into it, the kind of deliberate nature of that, the sense in which this can actually lead to something new or different, you know, coming out of it. But if we pay attention to other aspects of our life, I think we'll find that those same kinds of uh, features or, you know, formative aspects are in play.
0: If you're not a patron of Enacting the Kingdom, you're only getting half a podcast. This show only exists because of an active community of people just like you over on Patreon. When you become a patron, you'll get additional episodes, live streams, and our ever-growing backlog of episodes, 66 at the time of this recording. And as we're social media free, Patreon is the only place to engage with us and others about these episodes. Go to patreon.com slash enacting the kingdom to join the growing community. There's many different ways we can take this discussion. The first thing that comes to mind when it comes to, let's talk specifically about kind of film and, and uh, TV. I find that a lot of people will will... We'll watch like the same movie every year, right? Oh, it's such and such a time. I'm going to watch such and such a movie because that's what I do. Right. We've, uh, I think it's, there's something in us that can easily build in, for lack of a better word, a liturgical calendar when it comes to, um, the plays that we see or the stories that we, that we watch and experience. But, you know that that's what that's one thing that comes to mind the other thing that comes to mind is this is this issue of spectator versus participant and and maybe that's a good place to go now which is you know where is this where's that line between you know in orthodox liturgy many of us are told there are no spectators but at the same time there are you know if we have pews there are people who are standing at the pews who aren't doing anything except for watching which is kind of like the theater so are are people there to kind of just watch the liturgy, and what, what does it mean when we say there are no spectators, but then in the theater there are spectators? But are there truly spectators in a theater, or are you experiencing the story? And that issue of spectators, I think, would be a good place to uh, to dive into right now.
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, here I'll maybe draw on some insights from, uh, a, I guess he would be a kind of anthropologist of sorts but uh one of the leading figures in what's come to be known as performance theory right so i mean this has been noticed everything we've just been talking about has been noticed in a big way over the last half century you know by anthropologists sociologists semioticians yeah. linguists dramatic critics and so forth that that all of life has this kind of quality of of uh, performance of of social drama and so forth but there's a fellow richard schechner who talks about there's kind of three Uh, different types of performance, right? That that can take place. The the kind of base level is what you might call aesthetic, right? Where it's just the watching. So viewing an external performance will affect an audience, right? But it'll only affect them at the kind of conscious level, right? So I'd be sitting in a theater, or cinema, or indeed in the pew of, a, of a, an event like a, a liturgical celebration and so forth. And I'm watching what's going on. And it will have this aesthetic effect where, you know, maybe my uh, emotions are, are changed. You know, I've, I've been moved, you know, by an orchestra or by, by a speaker or by something visual to, to kind of feel certain things, or I might be led to, to think certain things. So the consciousness of that external performance affects the audience in the aesthetic, you know, kind of mode. The next level up um, is what you might call the ritual performance. And that's where you still have an audience and you still have, you know, performance, but somewhere in the performance, there's a kind of subject of, the event, who is actually transformed. So you're watching something, but something's happening, you know, to someone else. So it's a kind of next, you know, stage up. So, I mean, maybe you're at a liturgical service. It happens to be like a wedding, right? And something's happening to a couple of people. You wouldn't say everybody leaves being married by that thing, but two people have been married, or one person has been baptized, or, you know, or something has happened. So that's that kind of ritual type of performance. But then the third and most comprehensive is a social drama, properly speaking, right? And that's where all who are present, performers and audience alike, are involved and transformed by what happens, right? Um, And, you know, if we pay attention to our daily life, you know, typically that's happening on an ongoing basis. We're involved in that enacting of our own story. You know, things happen to us. We affect other people by things that we do and and say and and, and so forth. Well, where does liturgy, right, belong on those three different types of of performance? Is it aesthetic purely? Do you kind of go just to kind of have... Feelings. You might, in, in a Christian sense, you might say, good spiritual feelings. You know, you're uplifted in your heart, or you feel, you know, drawn closer to God, or you, you know, you feel some sort of special moment. And you know, the way sometimes people talk about liturgy, it would seem that. They've kind of gone to this. Oh, yes. Well, the today that was a rousing sermon we heard or, you know, that the choir was in good form and, and you know, we we were able to be to really feel transported, you know, by that. Is it aesthetic, you know, only or is it ritual? Well, yeah, we go and, and we do things or maybe sometimes things happen, you know, that, that to transform us. We receive communion or we're baptized or we're married and in these kinds of things. Or is it really this totally comprehensive social, social drama where every aspect of our thinking and doing and and speaking is is kind of transported and 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 concentrated? We're rehearsing the way we're supposed to be at the end of all things, you know, God's future life shared now that we participate in, and we're really, really involved. Well. I think anybody who's been listening to this series at any point will know it's that third and highest level that really should obtain in uh, Orthodox liturgy. But sadly, you know, it's at best the second and usually just the first, right? And that really came into play over the last few centuries more and more and more, right? Where, you know, it, it became not even as important to tell the whole story, right? prayers were said quietly. Well, that's just, those are the parts the, the the priest or the priest and the deacon are doing. We'll just leave them to do it. They're doing it on our behalf and so forth. So all we need to kind of go and, and, and just do is listen to, to what's going on and we'll be quiet and maybe we'll be kind of transported in, in a certain way. And as you said, there's pews, right? It Just kind of underscores the the whole thing that we're here to watch not necessarily or not very often anyway to, to be involved sure we'll trot up and maybe receive communion but even that fell into into disuse for for a very long period of time and so it's only recently we've recovered the idea that people going should even participate on that ritual level of of receiving you know communion but really it should try, take hold of our whole existence, right? And the same way that if you're out in the world and involved and, you know, in your family or in your workplace, in your school and talking to people and interacting and so forth, I mean, liturgy should be all the more like that, not less, not that place you go to just sort of, you know, passively receive, right? So, liturgy should be at that, that kind of highest level. And if you read, you know, the church fathers and and the accounts from the early church and so forth, that is absolutely what liturgy was. You know, if you read those early mystagogical catecheses, right, that talk about what Eucharist is all about and what baptism is all about and what happens when we come together, you know, in liturgy and so forth. I mean, th- this is real, right? It's what you call liturgical realism. Everything we're doing is really happening. We are gathering together as a community and together we are constituting the body of Christ and, you know, God's kingdom. And we are entering into that kingdom together. And so when we enter with gospel books or with the gifts at the Eucharist, those are genuinely true, the things that are happening at that point. And the prayers and everything in the liturgy actually suggests that it just all got suppressed to the point where I say a lot was taken quietly or just done by other people. And the whole expectation was show up and look or show up and listen. And and so it's just this purely aesthetic, this very base, you know, level. And what's been really interesting, just to kind of close the circle on Richard Skechner here, but I mean, he's amongst a lot of people, as I say, in the last half century that have paid more attention in just daily social lives, you know, just kind of as anthropologists, sociologists, noting what human beings are like, and what has enabled us to kind of maybe look again at liturgy and say, hang on a minute, we've missed, the plot here right we we we've, we've we've lost sense of what this is properly about what has enabled that to happen is a kind of shift in the way that precisely things like stage plays have been performed over the last half century because for a long time that's how you know the the arts went as well in the modern era it was very common just to have passive audiences whereas Always and everywhere. And if you go right back to like ancient Greece, where, you know, the original tragedies and, and, and plays were, were performed and everything, it's very interactive. There was no such thing as this hard and fast line, you know, where the stage and the lights are, you know, the performers end and the audience begins. Everybody, you know, was involved. You would expect to be kind of taken in and transformed by, by a performance. Well, that's come back more and more over the last half century in the, what you could call a kind of critique of the modern or postmodern, you know, period where those, that hard and fast binary, here's performers over here, here's audience over here, has been, you know, kind of transcended again. And that's helped us ironically. So people like, you know, Richard uh, Skechner or you know, Victor Turner and others who who then turn their eye on liturgy, on Christian liturgy and say, well, Shouldn't it be the same thing that you you arrive and you're taken up into that and that story that's being told becomes your story and you begin to enter in and, and enact that and be transformed? You don't leave in the same way you arrived, right? That this is, a, you know, properly speaking, a, a social drama that that upends. You know, the expectations and, and values and, and behaviors and so forth. And, and properly speaking, uh, you know, transforms us, right? And so that's, that's been an interesting kind of lens that we've been able to relook at liturgy over the last half century as a result of, of this kind of shift in, in culture as well. Because the church, sadly, and a lot of people doing liturgy, sadly, just fell into this kind of modern trap of, you know, It's something to be enjoyed at a distance. And and that's not what liturgy should be like. There are a few art forms and performance styles
0: that are coming to mind with everything you're saying, Father Jeffrey, and both have to do with comedy, but one is stand-up comedy and one is uh, uh, improvised theater, improv theater. Um, And both of these forms of performance are actually, it's vital to have that live audience. Because if you're a stand-up comedian, as you're telling jokes, you are in a symbiotic relationship with the audience, right? They are laughing or not laughing. Um, they are uh, giving you cues. And then you, um, you you sort of go through your routine and you accentuate those things. Let's say you got a big laugh on one part. Maybe you go down that road a little bit before going back to your routine, right? Um, so there's that symbiotic relationship between the performer and the Spectator, so to speak, but you 're all in it together um, and and that 's really taken to the next level in in improv um, and and improv is precarious because it can go really really wrong because there are no scripts and there are no everything i 'm sure many people who are listening have probably gone to an improv show where things have just been really bad because things have just fallen apart, and the people there didn 't know how to kind of put it back together but if you see really good high quality Improv, it really is a wonder to behold because the only thing they have to go on is the audience cues, right? They don't have those written jokes like a stand up might. So you're, you, you watch them perform and they will literally, uh, good performers will know the audience really well and kind of uh, move sim- symbiotically with the, the audience. And I remember in uh, Winnipeg, there was a, when I was there, there was a, a premier improv troupe called Outside Joke. And they would perform an improvised musical. But they would, before every show, right before they began, they would always start the show with this phrase, um, you know, ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to see will never be seen again. Mm-hmm. And then they would perform their show. And their point was, yeah, you could film it. You could film it and put it on YouTube. But it's never going to be experienced again. Like this is, this is the only time in history, in human history, where, where this narrative will be... Um, Realize together with you, right? Um, Yeah, you could watch it. But that's kind of in that context, that's a second rate viewing of the experience, um, just being that passive participant. Whereas being there, laughing at the jokes, calling out your suggestions, there really is that symbiotic relationship. Um, Yeah, and I think liturgy functions that way. You know, I I think liturgy functions that way. I I think there's something... um, There's this when it comes to watching recorded liturgies on YouTube. There's something not quite right there, right? There's something you know. Every time you come to liturgy on a Sunday or whatever service it might be, that will never happen again in that way, right? You are you are part of a unique experience there. Um, I don't really particularly have a question here, Father, but I'm hoping you're kind of getting (laughs) the spirit of what I'm talking about.
1: Absolutely, a really good word to use for this is event. Right, um, and I mean for a long time. Again, this would have been the the kind of standard way that liturgy would have been studied in the in the modern you know period. You would kind of say, okay, well, liturgy is one thing. We've got the divine liturgy of Saint John Chrysostom. Here's the text, and it's you know here's the explanation of you know of what's done, and we can put that kind of under a microscope, as it were, and study that, and and it's it's this thing. And then what the insight of what we've just been talking about has. Has been, as I say, the last half century and a kind of critique of, of that approach and so forth has been to say, well, no, there, there is no one liturgy of St. John Chrysostom. There is the event of the liturgy of St. John Chrysostom at 10 a.m. on such and such a Sunday in such and such a place with these people. And that is an unrepeatable event. Every event has a unique, you know, quality to it. And that's important. So if we study liturgy and how liturgy works, to look at it in a book on, you know, just black and white on a page and and to just think of it in the abstract as some sort of structural thing is to completely miss the point of it being this event, this this unrepeatable unique coming together of people in space and time and and doing, you know, this thing. Now, of course, there's degrees of scriptedness, you know, to different things. And we repeat, you know, words and so forth. But you'll actually find that in the improvisation of our own life, and indeed in improvised theater as well, there are repetitive things. There are things that have been borrowed from other times and places, whole, whole scale, maybe even whole dynamics and conversations unfold in, you know, in similar ways or whatever. But it takes nothing away from the fact that these are events right? And how exciting is it actually, you know, scary, yes, but exciting that our life is event. It's not, you know, predetermined, scripted, just kind of you know can be read out of of a, of a book you know it it's it, it's always and everywhere unique and and new and and this unfolding as i say social drama where the we're interacting and affecting you know one another and so forth and and you're quite right you know we lose a lot this the moment we you know kind of commit that one event to some kind of recorded format or even streamed you know format even if you're live at the same time but in a different place and only getting that kind of one dimension you know of the thing you are missing out on 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 what is that full event and, and participation and, and so forth? But how exciting that makes our very our lives—the the possibility of of coming and and sharing in God's life and with, with His community and, and in those events and so forth—it just makes it all the more important, right? Because these things are indeed transformative, and they are in fact constitutive of. Our very existence. This is how we are as human beings, or rather, rather than say how we are, it's how we are becoming <laughs> as human beings. Because as I say, this all implies that we are more human becomings than human beings, right? That it's not about a kind of static reality that we're just reflecting in this kind of platonic way. It's this emerging, becoming, unfolding, improvising, you know, way, way of being. And when we look more closely at the the narrative of of the scriptures, of of the, the way the liturgy kind of takes that up and, and takes it forward and allows us to participate in it, we find that God Himself, who is ultimate being, yes, right, uh, at before all time and space and outside of all of that, but nevertheless, He too shares in that emergence, that becomingness, right? We have this interaction with God and human beings in, in the narrative, the story, the drama of, of human history. And he, you know, the, the capital A author or capital P playwright, you know, capital S storyteller is, actually enters the stage and becomes alongside us. I mean, that's the story of the incarnation, right? The one who, you know, and it's the paradox we celebrate all the time, you know, in liturgy, that that he takes that place and, and subjects himself, submits himself, empties himself in order to also be becoming, improvising, emerging. And, you know, that to me, in that event of of our human life and of the the way we celebrate that in in liturgy and indeed in all of the the forms of of media and arts and storytelling and so forth that we do. That's just such an exciting part of, you know, who we are. We're not just, you know, automatons reflecting some kind of um, outside of space and time reality. This is reality as we are participating in it. And That that uniqueness that you you were highlighting there is just so important. And it it means every encounter with another human being, let alone the importance of the liturgy on Sunday morning or indeed uh, Oscar winning film or whatever. I mean, every encounter we have with somebody else is a unique event that we can enter into with this kind of open heartedness and opportunity to to be transformed, to, to, to move forward in this emerging, becoming reality that we share.
0: Thanks for listening. I'm Father Yuri Gladio, an Orthodox Christian priest with a lifelong desire to keep learning, and I'm joined on this show by my teacher and friend, Father Jeffrey Reddy. Father Jeffrey is the director of the Orthodox School of Theology at the University of Toronto and holds a doctorate in liturgical theology. Come connect with us on Patreon with any thoughts and follow-ups about this episode. We look forward to seeing you next time.